my heart, please. Oh my gosh, challenge. Just beat me over the head with the emotions, why don't you? Plus, it's prom night and Tundra's here and Tundra's also probably prom queen. Derek and Jody remember very quickly how not fun winning can sometimes be. Tragedy strikes in the challenge family. Nehemiah is on one, and Ayana be putting in that work. It's the challenge. All Stars 2, Episode 2 recap coming up right now. Welcome to the Challenge Historian, where we dive deep into all things MTV's The Challenge, past, present, or future. If it's happening in the Challenge universe, then we are here to document it. I am your host and dedicated Challenge Historian, Jacob Hollibaugh. Thank you so very, very much for being here with us today on today's podcast. We are discussing, we are hopefully able to talk on today's podcast. That would be good. We are discussing... All-Stars 2, Episode 2. It was another wonderful installment of All-Stars. The success rate of this show, episode by episode, is just just through the roof. And they're doing it again with the second season. An awesome premiere. Now an awesome second episode as well. That will be the focus of today's pod. As always, quick programming reminder. If you are looking for some Spies, Lies, and Allies content. That came out a few hours ago. You can still go listen to that. We recapped episode 15. We've got double challenge goodness for a five-week stretch here. Both shows going at the same time. So we're recapping both individual podcasts. We are review previewing both of them in one podcast, mega podcast on Tuesdays. So that this will be this is the third and final podcast of this week next week and for the at least four more weeks or so there will be the three pods a week format to this show recapping both seasons reviewing previewing both all in one episode so that's where we're at uh in the past in the present and in the future of this podcast otherwise uh the house has already been really kept there's no real housekeeping notes to say other than uh thanks as always for being here and if you want to make sure you're not missing anything hit that follow or subscribe button and even more so even better than that if you've already done that go on over to instagram follow us at challenge historian on instagram so that any extracurricular content we're putting out there outside of this podcast feed you're hitting up that up too you're getting to see that and follow along there and start to also we're going to try to start making that um one we're going to start using it a lot more but also we're going to try to make this an interactive thing moving forward so that'll be the place where most of that interaction takes place so follow us on instagram at challenge historian hit subscribe follow to this podcast feed and other than that why don't we go ahead and actually talk about this fantastic episode, episode two of All-Stars 2. We will use the same format today for the most part that we did last week and that we've kind of adopted not just for this show, but also in our Spies, Lies, and Allies format. And that is, we will first do our Cliff Notes recap, everything that took place in the episode, just to refresh our brains on everything we just saw. Follow that up with a walk through the storylines of the episode. Uh, last week, we said five Big things to talk about. We're never. We're not going to limit it to five. We're not going to force it to be five. If there's not five this week, there happens to be. There actually happens to be five, five uh, people or things we want to kind of talk about. Uh, so 
that segment will be just kind of the storylines. Beyond that, we'll hand out some hardware. We'll hand out awards for the best fit of the episode, which the outfits played a kind of key role, or one outfit played a very key role in this episode. Then best moment, best quote, and an episode MVP before finally updating our power rankings and adding an, a new prediction to our list of season-long predictions. It's a lot to get to, so let's get on started and head right on in to that Cliff Notes recap. Starting us off with our Cliff Notes recap, everything that just happened on this great episode, episode two of All Stars 2, as quickly as we can, running through the plot of the episode, while, you know, as far as the the season advancing forward in this episode, it was another kind of half episode in the in the terms of our, you know, regular structure of a challenge episode being some house time, a daily challenge, some house time, an elimination, episode one and two, episode one had the daily, episode two has the elimination. We will see if that will be uh, the way it moves moving forward for one, I for one, and I believe a lot of fans are probably perfectly content with the more you give us of them at the house, them doing things like having prom night, the better, but doesn't mean there wasn't a lot packed into this episode. So let's recap it all now as quickly as we can. Cliff Notes style ready in three, two, one. Here we go. Derek and Jody are in power and must pick four names to put up for nomination that the house will then vote on to send into two people into the arena to face off with Nehemiah and Ayana. Trying to play nice, those two meet with Ayana first, who they ask who she wants. She could care less. Then they meet with Nehemiah. He could care more. He wants Ryan and Cancun Derek to be the two nominated males. Before those nominations are made, however, Steve decides to make a joke about Extreme Derek's outfit, which rubs him the wrong way, and eventually leads to Extreme Derek and Jody putting Steve up along with Cancun Derek and Leah and Casey as the four nominated names. The game sets in as the house sees the nominated four and realizes that people will in fact be going home quite soon. Nehemiah very upset with Extreme Derek for not giving him the two names he wanted and vows revenge. Deliberation then takes place and in a landslide vote, Leah is voted in over Casey as is Cancun Derek over Steve. To get the vibe back to positive, the whole house they go to prom. Literally, they hold a prom outside by the pool. Everyone gets dressed up. They play some great music. They're having a great time. They act like they're 17 again. And we get not only the return of Anit, Cancun Derek's Tina alter ego, but the grand entrance of Tundra. Tyler's, as he says, second cousin from his grandmama's side. You've heard the rumors, and yeah, they're true. That is just amazing stuff. But the party, while being wild and fun, it eventually takes a turn for the heartbreaking when we learn that Cancun Derek had tragedy strike his family literally days or the day before he was to leave to film this show when his younger sister took her own life. After some weighty scenes of the Cancun crew plus Ryan giving support to Derek, everyone gets their minds back right. They get ready to head on to the arena for the first time of the season. There in the arena, we learn that Nehemiah and Derek will face off solo, as will Leah and Ayana, in a solo game called Dead Weight. Three coffins, all with the puzzle on the outside. You figure out the puzzle, you open up the coffin, you take the chain out, attach it to the coffin, drag that 300-pound thing across the arena to the other side where you hook it onto a pole. The first to get all three of their coffins across the other side wins. The men go first, and in a very, very tight battle, Nehemiah edges out Cancun Derek, sending him home. And then on the female side, Ayana puts in a performance for the ages and just 
dominates, just whips those coffins across the arena, sending Leah home, but not before a touching moment where Ayana helps Leah finish the thing she had started, celebrates with her, celebrates the two of them together. It's very great stuff. And then the episode ends with us learning that the winners of the elimination will earn a life shield to keep themselves or possibly a friend safe from the next elimination. All right, so that's what went down on this episode now. Let's rewind all the way to the beginning of all that and talk about some of the biggest storylines that went down throughout this episode. To the storylines we go, and while well, we're just going to say the storylines now, we do have five of them uh, that we'd like to talk through a little bit, similar to last week when we wanted to call this segment Five Big Things. We don't want to limit ourselves to five. We also don't want to force ourselves to have five of some episodes. Don't necessarily have five different ones to talk about. This one just happens to still have five. So rebranding, begotten, we're still talking about five kind of different storylines, people, or things that happen. Let's start with the first one, and it is... uh, you know, the sad one, um, and to some degree, you know, the inspiring one, uh, the, the heartfelt, emotional uh, crux of the episode. There was a few of them. This was a very emotionally heavy uh, episode, for sure, of television and of the challenge. The first one is Derek, um, Cancun Derek. And as we said last week, I don't know that we fully decided it during the preview podcast, but as we said last week, we, I, I hate doing the Derek C, Derek K, or Derek, and you know which one I'm talking about because of what we're talking about. So we went with Cancun Derek and Extreme Derek to reference the seasons they originally came from. So Cancun Derek, um, we we get the news kind of midway through, a uh, little over maybe midway through the episode that you know they're having the prom. He's and he's over, and clearly Jeanet, one of his best best friends, uh, who we find out. I, I'm I'm sure this obviously came up on their season of Real World, but it's been I did watch that season, but it's been so long, and I never I don't think I've ever rewatched any of that other than when it originally aired, um, and maybe it came up during their seasons where they overlapped on the challenge, but I don't I, I it was news to me. I knew that they were obviously very good friends and still remain very good friends from their episode or their season of the Real World, but uh, it was brought back to the forefront that those two had a relationship even before that, um, that Janet literally lived or was a vice versa. One of them lived on the other one's floor. Oh yeah. Janet lived on Derek's like in his like guest room or on his floor of his apartment for a little while pre, you know, back like almost in like high school days or super young days before they ever were on uh, the real world together. So they go way, way back. She can tell something is obviously wrong amongst this unbelievably an awesome party that yes, this guy got voted in, but there's something a lot more than that going on. And she eventually gets him to come forward with the knowledge that the day before he left to film this show, his sister took his younger sister took her own life. Um, and that the family experienced this tragedy and that he, they, both his family members encouraged him to still come. And he believed knowing what a fan she was of him on these shows that, you know, she would want him to still come. So he still, he came to do this and, and in doing so was a way for him to kind of, you know, um, uh, to grieve from a distance into, into, uh, you know, to just kind of get out of that situation, uh, a little bit and get, get away from uh, all this heartbreak that was going on and do something. And he wanted, you know, he was the getting thrown into elimination so quickly made him think about the fact that, you know, 
was this worth it? Is this going, if I go home now, was this going to be worth it? Like I, I need this to mean something that I came here and that I still went through with doing this. Um, and you know, it's, it's heartbreaking stuff, obviously first and foremost. And, um, uh, it, you know, hats off to him for being able to share and discuss. I mean, he, it, you know, he's keeping it to himself for a while here, but then once John a knows, he then, you know, he talks about it in confessionals over and over and is comfortable with it being, you know, a storyline here and, uh, you know, hats off to him for the way he's handling all this, the way he talks about it is definitely emotionally gripping television for sure. Um, and very, you know, very, very good to see that, uh, you know, he is one of the people in the house that has a good collection of people that he has strong relationships there. So he does have a really, really solid support group in the house that we see from, you know, what I'm kind of calling can crew Cancun crew plus Ryan. He's kind of a part of that with Jasmine, John a and Derek. And then Ryan is kind of the fourth member of that little crew that obviously has, you know, longstanding friendships with each other and has each other's back. We get the, you know, the emotionally heavy scene of the four of them, you know, talking about this in, in one of the bedrooms, um, and going through it and supporting their friend. And, you know, there's not a, there's not a lot to be said about it other than, uh, you know, a lot of courage coming from Derek, uh, a really good showing and a really just emotionally heavy and gripping, um, television that we get, um, out of this horrible, horrible tragedy that has occurred. So all of our thoughts and, uh, you know, best wishes to the family that I'm sure continues to grieve and mourn and move on from, uh, from what has happened. But, uh, that is definitely one of the biggest storylines of the episode. And then, you know, Derek eventually does lose the elimination after putting up an awesome fight. It really pretty much comes down to, uh, of the two puzzles, there's only two, one of them, they had no puzzle on. Um, we won't, we're not going to really necessarily recap the, the actual, uh, arena game on its own in particular, but kind of a little here with Derek. And then we'll talk about some of the other people that took part in it as well and mentioned it there, but you know, uh, Derek's part in, in the arena is he crushes it from the standpoint of, you know, dragging those things, which did they really weigh 300 pounds when he said 300 pounds? Was there, I know there the chains were different lengths. Um, was, would they all weigh the same? Um, I don't know. I was confused by that. I mean, 300 pounds through sand is like a lot. And I would be, I would be surprised if any, any of the people on this show were just, uh, like pretty quickly, certainly as quickly as Ayana eventually drag these things across carrying 300 pounds. But regardless, Derek crushes that part of it. He's doing that. Does plenty well there where the loss really occurs. The real difference between he and Nehemiah pretty much comes down to the one, uh, puzzle. The first one Derek does, which then ends up being, I guess the first one Nehemiah does too. Uh, or is he, no, cause they end up on the last one at the same time. So yeah, the first one, both of them do the kind of, uh, enlarged phone screen where you have to count how many fours are on the phone screen. I believe was the goal of it. It takes him, you know, he does the smart thing goes slow and steady of like, Hey, if you make a mistake, you got to do this multiple times. So like, let's get it right the first time, but seems to recount multiple times anyways, without going for some checks and that little extra time he spends on that kind of ends up being the difference. He, you know, he, he's two thirds way across the arena with his third coffin when Nehemiah gets there. So a great showing from him. Uh, even in just two episodes back, 
proving very, without a doubt, uh, the all-star caliber that he brings to this show from uh, his appearances as a neat um, to all, you know, great confessionals across two episodes, uh, you know, uh, bringing this emotional weight to this episode and just the courage to be there in the first place. So hats off to Derek. He was definitely a big storyline there and is now the first of the first one of the first two people eliminated and going home. Let's move on to our second storyline. Then that would be Derek and Jody extreme Derek, who I guess for this will be the last episode. We'll have to necessarily call him extreme Derek, but road rules, extreme Derek K Derek Kaczynski and road rules, extreme cast member as well. Jody, they won daily challenge on the first episode. They are now in the power seat and Couple things on them. They try to play nice with everyone, which, you know, across the board, you're the first one in power on a season of the challenge. Yeah. The MO in that position is play nice unless you have a very, very obvious vendetta rival, whoever that you might want to immediately go for. You're just going to try to play nice, which is what they try to do. And for their part, by the end of the episode, it may seem like it didn't 100% work um, with Nehemiah being so upset at Extreme Derek, but. They did everything they could do and everything kind of right to play nice with everyone. They go to Ayana first. They're like, hey, anyone you want specifically. Ayana, of course, uh, is just the badass that she uh, seems to be, pretends to be here, is just like, nah, it doesn't matter. I never got to, I never got, I think she says in confessional, I never got to choose who I ran against in track. So why would I choose who I go against here? I'm just going to whoop them, whoever it is. Awesome attitude, way to go. And also, while she might just be doing it because that's truly how she feels and she couldn't give an F, there's also a little bit of gamesmanship that goes to it, whether she knows it or not, of strategy of no, I don't want to. I don't want to. I don't want to tell you my cards. I don't want to let you play my cards for me. I want you to play your cards. I'll deal with whatever they are. But like, you're the one in power. You're the one going to get your hands a little dirty here, not me. So, uh, very very good on her. Then they go to Nehemiah, who of course. He's happy to tell him, I want Ryan, and Extreme Derek's like, all right, what about anyone else? We got to say two names, if, if Ryan and who else? And he says, Cancun Derek. He's very adamant about both. He eventually gets very, very upset that Derek doesn't give him both. We'll talk about that in a moment uh, when we talk more about Nehemiah in general. But So they're trying to play nice. They're like, all right, you two are going in. Who do you want? We will maybe give you at least, you know, in the case of Nehemiah, they're like, we'll give you one of the two. That seems like the easiest way to not just say to those two people, hey, we, you know, we, we gave whoever he wanted. We just put those people in, say, no, we wanted to be nice and say, who do you want? We'll put one of them in, and then we will pick another person, which they pick Steve because of his comments on Derek's outfit, which we will talk about in Best Fit Award. But uh, Steve goes in a little bit, just stops Derek mid-hallway. He's like, man, what are you wearing? Not realizing that Extreme Derek is going to be a little upset about this. Like, what the fuck, dude? I thought this was cool. And also, like, even if you don't think it's cool, why are you just randomly stopping me to talk shit for a second? Like, that's not that's not cool. So Steve gets thrown in. That's hilarious. Uh, but also is a crutch that they can stand on to, uh, when it's really more of Steve is, you know, hasn't been back to this show and maybe the longest of any of the guys only ever did the one has the least amount of connection. So he, and eventually Leah are the kind of the, the, it's almost as if there's no rookies on this season, but the most 
equivalent to a rookie of like, they know the least amount of people. They've done this the least amount of times. It's been the longest since they've been here. They're the easiest pick for us to do the first time around. And the final thing then on Derek and Jody one, I guess outside of, they just very quickly realized being in power, um, is not not always the best place to be. At least being in direct power is not always the best place to be, especially the first one in the game, first one to have to kind of take control, get their hands dirty, make make some feelings known. Um, Jody, though, uh, which does stand up. Something One thing that hasn't changed about her, she never did like, she liked playing the game always and that she was very competitive and wanted to win and was very good at that and did win um, this game before multiple times. But... She always before didn't like when she had to play the kind of political strategic game. And it comes up again here. They, they do the kind thing of after they put the names on the board, they want to go around and try to find those people and tell them. And they go and they find Cancun Derek and they have a conversation with he and Ryan and Jasmine and Jean are there. And they're like, you know, Hey Derek, you're going in. Nehemiah said he wanted to eat one of you two. And you know, we're a little closer with Ryan. So we, we wanted to give Nehemiah one just because we're trying to do this as kind of fairly as possible. And so we, we chose to keep Ryan out and Derek throw you in and Jody starts crying during it. And it's in their, their legitimate tears and their, you know, it's genuine emotion. I fully believe from her of like, I don't like this. I don't like having this power. I don't like having to come tell you that you're going in and that it was my choice to send you in. I don't like any of this, but it is backfiring a little on them because also totally in the right is Jasmine and John A who both in the moment give some looks and as, as well as Ryan and then in confessionals all kind of say something to the same effect of like, don't bring those tears around us right now. Like you did this and like own it. That's fine. Like, don't, don't tell us you're so sad. Guess who's sad. We are our friends going in. So, um, interesting to see if this being the first in power in a team that if they continue to pair up or whatever, could eventually be in power a good amount in this game. If, uh, how they're able to handle that, how, if they become public enemy number one right away because of exerting this power that is forced upon them by their victory, then, Storyline number three, the biggest, best part of the whole episode. It was teased in the next week on. It was also, if you watch are watching Spies, Lies, and Allies, at the end of it, they do a little clip from the episode that's about to drop of All-Stars, and they, they let it be known that the prom was about to happen, but the prom happened, and the prom was amazing. Just amazing. This is what we come to All-Stars for. They did this multiple times on the first season. They've already shown they're going to not just do it this time, but I bet they do multiple big old themed parties like this. We're clearly ahead in advance of coming to the show. Once the cast knows who else is being there, they've communicated and they said, hey, you know, on All-Stars 1, it was like, hey, we're going to do a big 90s party. Like immediately when everyone's still there, big old 90s party, dress appropriately. This one, they clearly said like, we're having a prom dress appropriately, bring something for that. And we get, you know, everyone's looking good. Uh, the cla- the old school MTV shirt from MJ, the, um, the wig on Darrell that actually kind of looks a little bit similar to the hair we saw in a clip put out last week of Darrell's original casting video. So There was some interesting callback to that. If you saw that clip, and if you haven't seen that, go on the challenges, YouTube account, and look up pretty recent video of all stars Two cast reacts to former casting videos. And they watch Darrell's and you've got to see it. That's all there is to say, but you also got to see Tundra because we get Tundra, which is Tyler's drag alter ego. We knew coming into the season, uh, was made pretty known. At least if you're as big a Tyler fans as 
I happened to be here and follow him or saw any of the preview content he was a part of or little interviews he did here or there, we knew uh, that we're, we're pretty confident this is not going to be the only time that we uh, get a Tundra sighting, but it's the first one, and it's amazing. Everything about it is perfect. As Tyler says, let me make sure I pull this back up to make sure I get it all completely right. Tundra, according to Tyler, is you know second cousin from the grandmama's side. If you've heard the rumors, trust me, they're true. Good intentions, horrible with boundaries. All of that will come up, and you'll get to hear him actually say that in the quote of the week uh, nominees because that certainly will be one of them in best moment of the week. Uh, also, we will be talking about this again, but Tundra makes her grand entrance into the party. The whole thing's lit. The music that they're doing in the whole thing is amazing, and the only other thing I have to say about prom is, can we have more, please? Uh, you know, I very much appreciate that the main segment of it was the entrance of Tundra. Great. Loved every bit of it. We'll take more Tundra anytime it's available. But also, we got the different montages before and after that of everyone having a good time, everyone dancing. I wanted to see a little more uh, of everyone in all these different outfits. Um, We get uh, Katie telling Nehemiah he smells good and him responding with, um, (laughs) this is the stuff they use to mate elephants, which is a hell of a line. It is very funny. Um, the more of that, the better. So keep feeding it to us. That's why we've all been pining for this all stars content. Um, and they're delivering it. So, you know, you want to bump these episodes up from 40 minutes to that full hour and a half, you know, you don't have to add any more daily challenges or eliminations. Just, just show us uncut footage of this party, please. And thank you. Then fourth storyline, fourth thing or person. This one is a person that would be Leah. We get a decent amount of Leah in this episode. She does, of course, eventually goes home. A couple notes on her uh, performance uh, or just the parts of the story that were Leah-centric in this episode. The first one is early on. um, It is made known, and again, early in the episode is when the beginning of the who's going to get voted in. Uh, And she states in confessional that, you know, she feels... Like she's at a disadvantage because all these other people, you know, have done all these seasons and have these relationships and like, what was she supposed to do? And she does eventually in person, in confessional and in person to other people once she is actually nominated or voted in, make some very, very funny comments to the other cast about, you know, sorry, I didn't, you know, didn't send you that TikTok a couple months ago that I can reference. Hey, am I supposed to just get on Instagram and always, you know, like everything all of y'all are doing and, you know, you know, kiss all of y'all's ass all the time on social media. She has a bunch of funny comments, but the one thing is she does like legitimately seem to feel like this is kind of bullshit that I've got this disadvantage. Like everyone else has all these friends and I've got to say that one, obviously that's a disadvantage. Yes. Uh, this game is built on social and political relationships within the house and very much outside of the game to be brought into the house. But it seems kind of fair that, with respect to Leah, and I will also even you know lump in with it, so it's not just saying it about one person here. To a a Steve or an Ayana or Sophia or Kendall back on you know All Stars One um, or Tech on All Stars One or a lot you know a lot of these people that we we bring back the challenge All Stars and as I said in my preview and others have said in many different forms and places. The all-star cast isn't necessarily built on all of the people we would necessarily think would be 
all-stars or have had all-star-like runs on the challenge. And, you know, some of them, like Aaliyah, have only done the one season. And to me, if we're going to bring those people back and give them a shot to kind of prove, you know, whatever spark we saw, whatever thing there was that was like there's all-star caliber story or person here, bring them back, it seems kind of fair that it, that they have a bit of a disadvantage because of that very same fact that, you know, if, you know, maybe if I'm a, I'm a Derek Kaczynski in the house, I'm like, hey, I've... I was the face of this franchise for a moment in time there. You know, I've won multiple of these. I did, you know, I was on the show for a decade. I talk about it for a living now. Like I'm an all-star all-star and I don't feel like everyone here is on that same level. Then it feels kind of fair that those that maybe aren't quite on that level and have something to prove still in the all-star category come in with that inherent disadvantage of you don't have the relationships. You don't have the, the experience on the show that some of the others do. So that feels fair to me. It is obvious and it is a disadvantage for sure, but it feels like kind of a fair way to, you know, a fair baked, a baked in disadvantage that kind of evens things out, you know, in a weird way for me. I may be wrong. You may think this is bullshit. I love Leah. I didn't want to see her get voted in just because she doesn't know as many of these people. But uh, I think, I think that's just the ground that, those people that come in with limited exposure to this world and these people, it's the ground they're going to walk on. Again, her comments about TikTok and Instagram were hilarious, though. Then as far as the elimination is considered, uh, the moment with her and Ayana, we'll talk about her best moment. It uh, was very, very great. At the end, got to say, um, as someone who uh, is a kayak professional in the summer times, um, and who is around carabiners, a good amount be in that line of work, uh, not being able to open and clip on the carabiner was a tough look for our girl, Leah. Um, yeah, that, that was a tough one. Uh, because while it kind of went by relatively quickly in the, in the time of show of the show, in the edit of the show, and obviously Ayana was putting on a heroic superhuman type of effort of how fast she was pulling those coffins across that thing. She did do a puzzle, pull the coffin, did a puzzle and started pulling another coffin in the time it took Leah to get a carabiner on. So, you know, that's where she lost that one. Um, whether she could have or not, could have not pulled those, uh, coffins. Um, you know, it was not going to matter with the opponent she was going up against. Ayana was winning versus anyone male or female in that house with the performance she put on. But, uh, the carabiner thing was pretty tough. All right. Our fifth and final storyline major one to talk about is another, another person who got a lot of time in this episode. That is Nehemiah who we incorrectly on the review preview podcast said we thought would be going home. We just felt, uh, not necessarily because of anything, any of his abilities by any means, it just, for some reason we were, we were just feeling like the edit was going like, uh, we're not going to get a lot of Nehemiah here and, uh, we want to get as much of him as we can in the time we have him. But instead it looks like he's just going to be legit, maybe the focal point. If there is a sing- if you could say one person is the singular focal point of the season, it might very well be him. We start with, uh, the, he and Derek thing, they teased it. They, you know, they definitely did have some friction on all stars one. Uh, I don't necessarily remember them specifically having like this horrible friction back at any time they ever would have done a challenge together way back in the day. Everyone kind of had friction with Nehemiah to a lot of times seemingly unfairly or especially like dual two is just always kind of like 
why is this guy the outcast? Did you guys just decide someone had to be an outcast so you could like label someone that and it could be a story thing and you just chose him what was going on? It was kind of weird and unfair. Um, but they definitely had a little friction. They seem to have been edit wise trying to play that up in our first episode. But now second episode, Nehemiah clearly just doesn't like Derek. Um, and Derek tried to do the, the political thing and say, who do you want? I'm not guaranteeing I give you these exact two people, but just tell us who you want. And then he does give you one of the two and you do go end up going against and beating one of those two. But Nehemiah does not take it well at all. He is no chill this episode. He is fired up. The moment he doesn't see Ryan and Derek as the two names up there, he's not quite on a warpath warpath, but he's kind of like, He's he's maybe announcing that a war is about to take place and that he just needs a little more training or they're just getting the troops ready or what um, because it, he lets it be known that eventually a war between he and Derek will be had um, and a couple amazing things that he does. One, he immediately, while everyone else is outside having some drinks, chilling by the pool bar, Nehemiah all upset decides everyone else is already out there. Why don't I take my shirt off and go get a hard boxing workout in right in front of everyone? Just, uh, you know, there was maybe some ulterior motives to wanting to do that in front of everyone. I found the entire thing hilarious. Um, but also my man's hitting that bag hard. My man's shredded up looking good. Uh, so hats off to you. It was just kind of funny. Um, he is then very direct, very aggressive in his, campaigning style of walking over the once it's Steve and Derek, you know, he's upset that it's not Ryan and Derek. He doesn't want to go against Steve. He's mad at, at, at uh, extreme Derek. And so he's going to take that out by demanding to go against Cancun Derek and lets it be known, you know, I've played this game in the past, very straightforward, very kind, very nice, whatever. Uh, uh-uh, uh, never worked for me. We're getting cutthroat this time around. So he walks up, you know, to a group of six or seven people sitting outside who are just having a nice chat. And in comes Nehemiah, you know, breathing heavy, uh, clearly like kind of on edge, hyped up, and like, hey, what's up? And he's like, I will not go against Steve. I am going against Derek. You will all say Derek's name. Thank you. Good night. And he leaves. And, uh, you know, it's one of those where I, I applaud the strategy, just maybe not the whole execution. Uh, the strategy of, I, I totally agree with him in his confessional when he's like, you know, hey, uh, the you if you don't say what you want in this game, you're not going to get anything close to it. Doesn't Saying what you want but don't, doesn't guarantee it, but you know, I've learned the lesson, like, I'm going to say what I want when I want to say it, and all for that. I think there is a way to, while it eventually worked, everyone does, you know, uphold the friendships and say, you know, Nehemiah said this is who he wants, so I'm going to vote for him, and Derek gets sent in, but I think he could have done it maybe without uh, without raising the intensity level of the game for everyone else, because in this house where it seems as we did, one of our predictions we did get right on the review preview is we got many, many quotes of the game is setting in type of quotes and confessionals and things and everyone realizing, ah, yeah, we're not here just to have fake proms. We're, we are actually competing and some of us will be going home rather quickly. Um, and I feel like that's going to kind of rock the house more than a, a regular season of the, sh- the challenge would. And I feel like that's where maybe Nehemiah's strategy of being this open and being this kind of aggressive with his with his game plan and with his strategy in a regular challenge house might be the right strategy. He might have adapted adapted to the correct thing for him to do if this was a regular season. But I think you don't want to be the one that's kind of turning up the the 
the stress, the pressure of the game in this house right away. You don't want to be the one that seems to be standing at that valve. That valve is going to turn no matter what. That pressure is going to keep getting bigger and bigger. People are going to know it more and more. There's going to be less and less nights of let's have a fake prom and all get dressed up and drunk and have a great time. But you don't want to be the one, if that knob's already going to turn, if that pressure's already going to go up, do you want to be the one that seems to be or is easily placed, whether fairly or unfairly placed as the person who's kind of turning that pressure up the quickest? I don't think you want to do that. So um, that's my take on that. We already mentioned that this is the stuff they used to mate elephants. That line killed us, absolutely killed us. Uh, uh, I also, I, uh, I, you get some Anchorman um, callbacks there of Paul Rudd's. Anchorman character and all of his different colognes and things that he shows off. Um, so I wonder if that was a play on that either way. It was hilarious. Um, and I do have, I really want to know what he was actually wearing in that moment. Maybe he'll share that on his Instagram or somewhere. Now the episode's out. And then the final thing about Nehemiah at the end of the episode, he wins and he references himself as the people's champ, which, um, this is not meant as some shots at Nehemiah, uh, who I very much like. Um, I'm I want a few people, I guess, as far as people within the, the reason I think I kind of chuckle at the people's champs thing is um, from a fan perspective, we'll see. But from a in-the-house perspective, the uh, entire Austin cast, as much as Nehemiah and Melinda on this current season, way after the fact, might be shedding this, the Austin cast was hated by everyone seemingly very unfairly because it was just instant. It was like, we saw you on TV and everyone loved your season of the real world. Therefore, all of us hate you coming into the challenge, but everyone hated the Austin. Anyone that was associated with real world Austin was just despised in challenge houses for time after time. So for one of them now, years later to be saying the people's champ, um, you know, we'll see again. We like Nehemiah. I like Nehemiah. Uh, but I don't know if I would, if I would go so far to call him the people's champ, as far as, you know, who, who the crowd, who the, the fan base of the show might be most rooting for here on the male side, but we shall see. I could very well be proved wrong. He could be proved right. Or it could just be, uh, somewhere in the middle that, uh, to his fans, he is and deserving. He got the win, looked awesome doing it. Um, you know, he's definitely holding his own politically and socially, and he's definitely been, if there's a star of the show through two episodes, uh, you know, Tina was the MVP of episode one for sure, but we didn't get almost any Tina this episode. Nehemiah has definitely been the focal point of this episode and this season, two episodes in. That is all of our storylines. All right, let's move into the hardware and revisit a few of those storylines and a few of those touch points by way of giving out some awards. Four pieces of hardware to give out. And uh, as similar, same to last week, we've got our new category, new to this season of the challenge, best fit. We've also got best moment, best quote, and an episode MVP. Let's start with that best fit. And with respect to Tundra, who was looking great on prom night, with respect to MJ and Darrell, whose outfits in brief glimpses we are very much enjoying and appreciating on prom night. And everyone else that was wearing amazing stuff this week. The best fit award for episode two has to go to Derek for his, you know, his single pattern short button-up shirt combo that became an actual storyline and plot in the episode. Whether you love it or hate it, Tech thought it was dope. Uh, pretty much everyone else 
said they hated her, made fun of it. We got jokes from Kahata. We got jokes from Jasmine. We got jokes in person from Steve, who took the brunt of it because he did his in person to Derek's face versus when asked about it in confessional now that it was a story. Everyone else kind of did it behind his back. And maybe even Tech might even, whether he thought it was dope or not, might have just been, you know, trying to pick his man up after, you know, never wanted to see someone's fit get disrespected just being the good friend and saying you know hey don't don't listen to that guy that's dope keep doing you um but sorry for moving the camera there as i'm talking uh but it whatever you think of it it's got to be the best fit of the episode because it it's pretty crazy that a uh that an outfit almost costs someone their their life in the game when it almost ends up steve going you know he doesn't get that close to losing the vote but he gets put up for vote and he gets put up for vote in Derek's mind thinking that he will kind of suffer the same fate that Leah does of if we put this guy up for vote, he doesn't have the connections in the house Cancun Derek does and Steve will go in and go home. And so it almost gets him sent home, which means it wins the award of best fit for Derek. Plus, we I actually did legitimately like it. And he wears another, a similar, uh, seems like he might have brought a few of these types of outfits with him of the short button-up shirt combo, single pattern, top to bottom. I thought it was fly. So hats off to Derek, fit of the week. Now, best moment. We've mentioned both of them. There are two nominees. There is the entrance of Tundra. We did ask, we said we were hopeful for on our review preview pod. We were hopeful for more Tyler. And in that, we'll take Tundra, we'll take Tyler, we'll take them both, we'll take either one. And it was all great. And, you know, we we said it pretty much all before. But uh, the whole thing was amazing. The introduction and his confessional explaining Tundra was just spot on and hilarious and fun. Um And seemed like the absolute life of the party. And as we said in the very intro to this podcast, our vote for prom queen is definitely to Tundra. Second nominee then at the end of the episode, we get the Ayana Leah in the arena. Ayana just smokes that thing. One more time, we got to say, just unbelievable. One, she did have the best strategy um, and whether she had it from the start and or it was from watching the guys go first, but uh, Derek and Nehemiah both do the, will hold the end of the rope with two hands and pull moving backwards and just kind of do one little tug at a time where Anna's like, nope, throwing this thing over my shoulder and just sled walking it basically forward and also getting the holding very high on the chain so she could almost lift the whole thing up off the ground, reducing the friction, making it easier to pull through the sand. Um, so just very smart about it, very badass about it, very strong about it. She dominated, but then after dominating and knowing that Leah was still struggling to get that first coffin even across the arena, goes back in. Those two had had a nice moment at the prom the day before, or I assume the day before, um, in that talking about, you know, we're both here, we're both single moms, we're proving something to ourselves, no matter who wins tomorrow, like we're both winners, uh, and they have a little bonding moment, so then Ayana beats her, goes right back to her, is like, whoa, 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 Leah, what are you doing? You're finishing this. You're proving something to yourself. Get back on that chain. I'll help you. We're pulling this across, and it's fantastic. It's very, very good sportsmanship. Uh, It's very good just being a great human being. It's a wonderful moment. The entire cast gets super choked up and emotional about it and, you know, is is super-duper touched by it, um, which, you know, I'm there with you about 90% of the way. Uh, it seemed, you know, like all things on this and all reality television, maybe 
a little overdone with how many people were in tears over this, but it was really, really awesome. Um, and it was really emotional and cool. And so it is a nominee for a moment of the week. So not, you know, no, no shots at it. Uh, just maybe 10% overdone in the crowd reaction, but a hundred percent amazing in Ayana and Leah in that moment together. But as awesome as it was, there's no way I'm giving this award to anyone, but Tyler, but Tundra, Tundra gets the best moment of the episode, really the prom in general, that entire, that entire scene was just fantastic. That's why we're here for this show. Then let's talk best quote. We've got four nominees. They come first from Kahara, who of all the people that makes fun of Derek's outfit, I found his to be the one I actually did laugh out loud at. So here is Kahara with his commentary on Derek's fit of the week. It looks like he's wearing the sheets off a 10-year-old bed or something like that. What are you thinking? Then we've got Jasmine. Oh, my God. It's so good to have Jasmine on this show. Can we just make... She's one of those people that I would be cool if any season of the challenge, they're like, all right, we brought 24 people here to compete. We also brought these other six people who are just going to be here living with you and doing confessionals and entertaining. They're not actually taking part in the game itself because we don't want them to be at risk of going home. We want them here every single episode. Jasmine would be first ballot for, yeah, can Jasmine just be in the house with them and be a part of their lives and be a part of our lives without being at risk of only being there for X amount of episodes and having to, you know, make a final to be there till the end because she's amazing. So good to have her back. And second nominee for quote of the week. When presented by Extreme Derek and Jody, that her guy, Derek Cancun Derek, and their entire alliance by default is being threatened, she lets them know that that's going to be a big fucking problem in only the way Jasmine can say it. So let's hear it from her. Coming after Cancun is not what you want to do, Nehemiah. Now you're coming for my family. Now we have a really big fucking problem, and I'm the wrong bitch. Third nominee is the same that just one best moment, but within the entire Tundra moment is the initial explanation of who Tundra is, where Tundra comes from. And we referenced it earlier and we did a horrible job. So why would we not give you the chance to hear it from Tundra herself, from Tyler himself, and explain where and who this character is? So take it away, Tyler. I decided to turn it up a notch. You know, this is a challenge all stars. So I decided to invite my second cousin from my grandmama's side, Tundra. You have got to give. Taking is too easy, but that's the way it is. If you've heard the rumors, trust me, they're true. Now you know how Good intentions, horrible with boundaries. Fourth and final nominee. Um, I, I hope it'll be plenty easy enough to hear. I'll make sure I kind of turn the volume way up on it. But in, in the field, as you know, if you've listened to these podcast recaps for a while now, I love an in the field quote. Uh, I kind of give it extra little bonus points over a confessional one where maybe you've been thinking about something for a few days before you record those. But in the field, Ayana, during her amazing dominant performance in the arena, she her self-talk is through the roof. A, 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 A plus self-talk, self-belief. And the whole time, uh, as she's dragging those coffins, like they are absolute nothing on her back across that arena. She is talking herself up. And at one point, she just starts repeating the mantra, powerful as fuck. And 
I, I'm about I'm about to say this to myself over and over and over whenever every time I work out for a long time to come. But let's uh, it was it was a little quiet in the episode, so hopefully I can find a way to make this loud enough that you can hear it. But let's let's hear Ayana and a little bit of that self talk from her dominating performance. That quote was itself powerful as fuck, but it is not going to be our winner, our winner here. Uh, there's a good chance that any episode she's on, she could very well is an odds-on favorite to win quote of the week in any season, especially this one. But Jasmine, big fucking problem, is the, is the winner of quote of the week. And finally, an episode MVP. Uh, multiple people getting votes. We've got to, we've got to shout out Tyler for the final time and Tundra getting some votes for MVP and production seeding to the wishes of this podcaster and giving us some more Tyler in the form of Tundra on this episode. Thank you for that. Got some votes, not enough to win, but got some votes. Ayana got some votes. Just, I mean, my goodness for the final time, we will say, that was some quick work of some big old heavy coffins that that woman did. Um, she got some votes. You know, Nehemiah and Extreme Derek are, you know, front and center for large parts of this episode. But uh, the best they could do is maybe muster up a vote here or there. The winner of the episode MVP is um, is Derek, Cancun Derek. Um, and while sad to see him go at the end, definitely proved his all-star status in the two episodes here. Definitely, you know, heavy, heavy emotional stuff we're dealing with, um, with his story within this episode. And there, there couldn't be, you know, performed very admirably in the elimination. There couldn't be any other MVP for the episode than, than Derek. So we say goodbye to him, but on the way out, he, he at least brings home some hardware. He gets that episode MVP. So, that's that. Those are our four awards. Now, to finish this out, let's talk our power rankings. There's been some changes in the power rankings on both the male and the female side. So let's update those. Let's add a prediction to our list, and then we'll get the hell out of here. To the power rankings we go. And with those power rankings, we are we're going to do the individual power rankings, a male list, a female list. And for the time being, while there's still so many people left, we're not going to... We're not going to go one through 12. We're just going to have a top five. And if you're not in top five, you're unranked for the time being. But in that top five, let's talk. Last week, we did females first. So this week, let's talk males first. Our top five on the male side is Darrell, Brad, Kahuta, Tyler. And then tied for fifth, we have Derek Nehemiah. We'll explain momentarily. Darrell holds down the number one spot. Derek was number two last week, slides down to number five, and we move Brad, Kahata, and Tyler up one spot each, respectively. I just see Darrell and Brad as, as the guys to beat on the male side from an athletic standpoint, um, from an experience in this game standpoint, and from a social, the relationships they have uh, standpoint. I think Kahata, I put him and Tyler then next because both – you know, they've got a lot to offer by way of the physical sports, the mental sport elements, and the social political elements. I think everyone, you know, is gonna very much like them. I just think they're in they're in solid spots for the time being. 
And then Derek, who I had second after that good performance last week and the potential kind of long-term pairing with Jody, who, spoiler, is the top still on the female power rankings, I dropped him down to five just because, and I match him with Nehemiah. I put them tied because it's very obvious we're going to get some payoff at some point to this whole Derek-Nehemiah thing. So one of them, which whoever survives this little this kind of tit for tat that we might get between them, this little rivalry that's been brewing. Whoever survives that is going to be in a good spot, but both of them do have that threat of another good player who's clearly kind of looking at them, even if Derek's not looking at Nehemiah that way. Nehemiah sure is towards him, which means eventually he's going to have to look that same way back, whether he likes to or not. So Darrell, Brad, Kahuta, Tyler, and then Derek and Nehemiah tied in that fifth spot. On the female side, Kind of a similar shakeup. We have the same top two. Jody, Kendall are at the top. That's number one and two. Jody and Kendall, I think, just from... That's where we pretty much had them going into the season after episode one. Uh, I just think physically they've got... They're bringing the most to the game on the female side, and they both don't seem to have any... You know, They might have be the physically the strongest in the house, but they also have no super weakness or anything on the mental side of the actual challenges or eliminations. And then politically, socially, um, you know, there's no one other than, you know, you would have maybe said Jasmine and John a had the best standing in the house from having the three of them there from their original season, super tight bonds. Plus having been on seasons with most of these people, they probably had the best situation coming in, but not some overwhelming one that would, you know, vault them to the top just by default. So Jody and Kendall are in one and two. And then Tina was third. She falls to fifth, and we bump up Katie and Janelle. So we got Jody, Kendall, Katie, Janelle, Tina. Um, and that was strictly because on the next week on it looked like some people are gonna start looking at Tina. Uh, as a threat or as an annoyance or in one way or the other, potentially wanting the, her out of the house. So we bump her down a little bit if we're starting to see some some signs that she may become a target. And we just kind of like where Katie and Janelle both stand, um, what they offer to the game and where they stand in the social standings of the house. So Jody, Kendall, Katie, Janelle, Tina, and Darrell, Brad, Kahada, Tyler, Derek, Nehemiah, Ty for fifth. Those are our power rankings. As for our predictions, well, We have the first one wrong of the year. That's fun. We got our first one wrong, ladies and gentlemen. Prior to the season, we went hard on the predictions in the preview extravaganza podcast, and we said the first two people going home would be Steve and Sophia, and that is wrong. So, 0 for 1 on that, but also on those prior to the season predictions, we said the finalists would be Brad Durrell, Tyler Cajada, Ryan on the guy's side, all still in play. Jody, Kendall, Jasmine, Janelle, Melinda on the female side, all still in play. And we said the two winners would be Brad and Jody. One of them, maybe both of them, if two people end up winning, if that's a twist near the end, those are still in play. So we got the first to go home wrong, but so far after the first two people go home, haven't lost any of our finalist predictions or our winner predictions. Then after each episode this season on the episode recaps, at least for the first five or six episodes, first half of the season, We are going to make a season-long prediction. Our first one after episode one was that we are on or in the water for 50% of the daily challenges, and so far we didn't get another one, so we're still one for one on that. So we're at 100% right now, so that one's looking solid. Our uh, Our second one, though, the one that we are going to add is going to be this. That is... That we learned this episode about the life shield and that uh, the the winners of the elimination would get a life shield that 
while not be explained perfectly, seems to be that they can only use it the very next nominations um, because then someone else will go in and win and have a life shield. So I think there's only going to ever be the one, the two life shields in play, but that they can use it to save themselves or someone that is nominated from going in. And we are going to go ahead and predict that over 50% of the life shields will be used. Unlike All-Stars 1, unlike life shields of the past, way back on you know Inferno seasons and things like that, when they've had a version of this lifesaver life shield, they've called it different things, clear eyes, branded lifesaver, something when one of those seasons. Um, but they haven't always been used all that much in the past. I think that changes the season. I think over 50% of the time that life shield will get used to at least one out of every two people every single week, I think are going to use it. So that is prediction number two. We add it to the list. And with that, we will see if we can get any of those right. We will see if we get any of our finalists or winners right. It would be pretty amazing if we went 10 for 10. I highly doubt the possibility of that, but you never know. Uh, maybe it can happen. Maybe it can. So, With that, that concludes this podcast, this episode of All-Stars, and this week of Challenge Historians podcast. It's our second week of doing three-in-one week. Feeling good about it. Thankfully, the voice has made it through as well. A little nervous about that. I talk for a lot. I talk longer than I probably need to on these shows, but the voice is holding up, so that's great. Thank you so much for being here and listening and following along all the content. Thank you for watching both of these now amazing seasons of The Challenge. Spies, Lies, and Allies has really, really picked its game up the last few episodes. All-Stars has been fantastic through the first two, so if you're not watching both, you should be. If you're not listening to both recaps, you should be doing that too. Make sure if you're on Spotify, hit follow. Apple Podcasts and subscribe. Thank you for doing that. Leave a five-star rating and review. Those help in a big, big way. And I can't, couldn't say how much each and every one of those is very appreciated and beloved by me. Thank you guys for being here so much. Follow along on Instagram at Challenge Historian. We will be back next week with all three podcasts. We might be back with an extra video on our YouTube between now and then. So keep a lookout for that. And otherwise, Thank you all for being here. Love to all of y'all. Until next time, peace.